guys, I'm Bethany. I'm Dalton. And here we are again with another episode of Looking for the Middle. <laughs> and we've lost Dalton already. It took like four seconds. Uh, the blooper, it's the blooper reels. You're going to get a lot of those from this show. <laughs> I just, I hit record. And you started and reading me my Miranda rights. You said that's what it felt like. That's because you were. Well, okay. I'm anyway. not being arrested today. Let's do this podcast Let's thing. Let's do it. Okay, so today we are talking about why is Christian dating so complicated? And I know you guys have lots of thoughts and lots of um, experiences, questions. questions with all of this too. So we're going to try to take a look at maybe why it's complicated, Um so what several of the complications that I think contribute to it. And then hopefully at the end, we will have some at least slightly helpful advice on maybe simplifying it. We'll see. We'll, we'll try. I mean, I think we're both very much still navigating this complicated dating pool. So I don't know that we, obviously we don't have it all figured out, but we will take a stab at it. First up though, let's talk, um, social media, housekeeping. Oh. I was trying to, you know, branch out and not say housekeeping this time, but here we are. So, we have our social media. If you don't follow us on there, you should. Facebook and Instagram. Looking for the Middle Podcast on Facebook. LFTM Podcast on Instagram. Come hang out with us there. Second thing, we do have a newsletter that goes out every week on Thursdays, right after the episodes are released on Wednesdays. And that is pretty self-explanatory. You guys know how newsletters work. And then the last thing for you ladies out there, we do have a Facebook group for you guys to interact and hang out with each other. That is LFTM Community on Facebook. If you're not there, you should come join. We're doing a Bible study right now together on Zoom every couple of weeks. Um, we're going through the book of Ephesians. So it's lots of fun. You should come hang out with us there. I said hang out like five times now. So please put me out of my misery. Hang out. And ask the question of the day. Question of the day. Okay, you actually get to choose. Oh, it's an either or on the question? Yeah. Okay. There's a question for the question of the day. I'm just going to have you pick a number. Three okay. or four? Four. Four. If you had to be a Disney character, oh, no. who would you choose? Oh, if I had to be a Disney character, Belle. Why? I love Beauty and the Beast. Okay, but why? Why do I love it? No, but why would you be her? Well, mainly you because I love... more than I love Beauty <laughs> Mainly and because I love Beauty and the Beast. I do like Belle, though. She likes to read. She's spunky. Um, she puts Gaston in his place. So yeah, the dude's had a hard life. All right, he got turned Gaston. Into, oh, Gaston. Sorry, I'm thinking of the other guy. No, the the beast dude. Does he have a real name, or do we just keep calling him Beast? He has a name. Is it Philip? I hope it's not Phil. That'd be a weird name for a Disney movie. Hey, Phil. <laughs> How you doing? Is it Prince Eric? Isn't that Eric's Little in, Mermaid? Yeah, because so, that's the other name that was coming to mind. But I don't. I know that's not right. Yeah, that's 100 percent Little Mermaid. Okay, so I would be Belle. You know, I used to hate Beauty and the Beast. Actually, I used to hate most Disney movies. Little Mermaid, I wouldn't watch it because Ursula scared the crap out of me. <laughs> I oh, she a, freaked me I, out. I wasn't allowed to watch Little Mermaid because she was disrespectful, and my parents didn't think I needed any ideas for ways to be disrespectful well, to my parents. Let me change your statement there. Didn't need any more ideas. That's what I mean. I had yeah. plenty on my own. I didn't need more oh, of them. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Okay, I what's now, your... Well, so now you have to answer. See, it was my question of the day, and I don't have a great answer right? to this one. Because I definitely don't want to be Rookie. Mufasa. Rookie. That dude goes down hard. Well, yeah, why would you... Why, why is but that Mufasa the first thing is just that came a beast. to mind? He's like for five minutes of the movie, and then he's gone. Well, maybe that's what Ooh, you should wait, do. Ooh, wait, no. Okay. We're in Lion King. I do love Lion King. Okay. Rafiki. <laughs> dude is an absolute maniac. <laughs> Tell me that doesn't fit my personality well. I can see it. Well. I totally 
totally see it. Psychotic, but somehow has wisdom that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. I'm um, going to get that put on your outside your perfectly office. Perfectly fitting for me. No, because... Psychotic, we, sh- but slightly wisdomous. I, is wisdom is a word? No. I didn't think so. You just like making up words. I do. All right. Let's get into it. Okay. Let's talk about why this whole thing called Christian dating is so complicated. Because we make it that way. That's true. I have Done. I have a theory, though. Tell me what you think of this. We have not talked about this before. Oh, good. Is there an element of this that the complication comes from us trying to, quote unquote, Christianize a worldly system as opposed to truly pursuing relationships where the, the main goal is to honor Christ and that permeates all of our relationships and said we have taken this worldly system that is dating that wasn't even a thing 150, 200 years ago and have tried to like Christianize it. And so it makes it complicated. I would probably say yes, but I'm, I want you to expound upon that. So like, show me examples of what that looks like, this Christianizing of dating. Well, let's say like the way you communicate maybe. So you go on a date, you hang out, and it's like, okay, well, I can't text her for this much time, or I need to text her, or this is what I say or I don't say, but I don't want to lead her on. And so you're trying to figure out, or, or a girl too, like I, I need to tiptoe around this communication thing, uh, trying to let them know, I want to go out again or I don't, but I want to be nice about it. Instead of just saying from the get go, Hey, look, I enjoyed our time. I want to do this again. Or just before you even go out, lay out your expectations. Okay. Look, my ultimate goal here is to honor the Lord. I think we're, you know, similar in that. And so let's see where this goes. We're trying to mold into the world's way of communicating and doing things, Mm -hmm. but make it Christian, like do it the nice way. Yeah. Okay. I would see that. I think that makes sense. I, I do think we overcomplicate, which is one of my favorite phrases around Christian dating. Yeah. We do like to overcomplicate the whole dating atmosphere, but I do think you're you're trying to put all of these Christian parameters around it and take what the world has made and make it fit your mold. So yeah. just kind of stuff it in there and let's see what comes out of it. I mean, there's a lot of complications that go into that. Um, and we'll get into that in just a second. But I would agree with that. Yeah. Or even let's say from like from a physical standpoint, you know, there's clearly laid out in scripture of like, okay, premarital sex is a sin. Then, But there's a whole lot before that that I would say should definitely be reserved for marriage too. Mm-hmm. But from a world, I mean, from a worldly standpoint, all bets are off. You yeah. do whatever you want to. Two consenting adults, you do whatever you want to. So it's almost like we've said, okay, well, here's this hard and fast line that's the world standard, a scriptural standard of, you know, no premarital sex. Okay. So then we've said, okay, well, let's Christianize that a little bit, and we'll take a couple steps back from that. But then everything else is just kind of up for grabs. Instead of saying, okay, this is my brother or sister in Christ, first and foremost, well, I mean, I was going to say until you're married, but even once you're married, like that, that... That is still there from the standpoint of how can we most honor Christ here? And I think if that drives where you set boundaries for things, as opposed to starting at the world's standard and working backwards, it makes it a lot less complicated. Here's something I was just thinking of when you were talking. I think in our heads, in terms of Christian dating, we would say 1 Corinthians 1031 principle, which is glorify God in all things. In our hearts, completely different story. Yeah. It's not a posture of the heart. So we're not truly desiring to glorify Christ and how we're operating within this 
Christian dating atmosphere. I think that's probably one of the biggest issues yeah. surrounding this. Um, but we do overcomplicate things. Like we, we make it messier than it should be. I agree. The scriptures are pretty straightforward with how we are to approach these things. Yeah. We do it for the glory of Christ. Done. Mm-hmm. But we, we say, okay, I'm going to do it for the glory of Christ, but can I do this? Yeah. And can we do this? Yeah. And can we look like this? And can we fit this particular worldly mold? Yeah. Why, why are you stretching this yeah. more than you should? Well, I think we say a lot of times, this is something that I, not even just with dating specifically, but something I saw myself a lot a few years ago was I would ask someone for advice or I'd ask for counsel or direction and for decision or whatever. And they would say, here's what scripture says. Here's what I think. Here's whatever. And maybe it didn't completely line up with what I wanted, really, you know? And I'd say, oh, I know, I know, I know, but... And then I would proceed to explain why mm-hmm. why my situation was unique. And so I think we can do this with dating a lot. Too. We hear what you just said. We say, oh, I know, I know, I know. Yeah, that's what it should be. But here, let me tell you about my situation and how it's not fully applicable in my situation. Thus then complicating it for ourselves. Let me give you... This isn't about dating. The example, but I think it ties into it. Yeah. And I'll call it pharisaical dating. Okay. Right. The Pharisees were concerned. They knew the scriptures. They, mm-hmm. they knew what the scriptures said, what they were supposed to do. But time and time again, when they're talking with Jesus, well, what about this? Yeah. Like asking, even there was the, the lawyer that asked the question of, well, who is my neighbor mm-hmm. trying to trick the Lord? And that's really our approach to dating is... <laughs> well, yeah, I know, I know what the Bible says, but yeah, take the butt out of but, the. Game. But there wasn't online dating in the Bible. Like yeah. it, we, it, we kind of think it's it, scripture still sufficient. Yeah. Regardless, I think one thing we might be dealing with too, and I mean we, the collective, all of us, is an element of scriptural. I'm going to say ignorance and or apathy, and here's where I'm going with this. It's really easy. We all know the Bible doesn't say anything about dating. Mm-hmm. So it's like, okay, great. We're on our own with dating. And it's easy to say, well, the Bible says a lot, though, about, one, how to live your life as a follower of Jesus, just period. But two, it says a lot about relationships and how you relate to other people, whether it's platonic or romantic. But if you don't know what those things say, when the fact that the Bible says nothing about dating leaves you in this abyss of confusion because you don't know what it does say about how to live your life as a believer and how to relate to other believers. If you don't have that knowledge to fall back on, dating's nearly impossible. Let me backtrack it even further. Okay. I, I think I've mentioned this several times, probably not on the podcast, but in just my day-to-day ministry stuff, is people want Jesus as Savior, mm. but not as Lord. Yeah. And I think the same thing is true for the dating atmosphere within the church of you you want to say, okay, I'm a Christian, I'm dating. Jesus is my Savior, but he's not the Lord over my dating. Yeah. I know a lot of people are going to push back on that, but you well, might you say, yeah. yeah, you might say one thing, but what? how are you living? Mm-hmm. Is Jesus truly the Lord of your life? Is he the Lord of your dating relationship? Yeah. Or is the other person the Lord of your dating relationship. Or are you? Or are you? You know? Well, and yeah, while we're saying things that might be a little controversial, (laughs) I would almost say too, that if in your dating relationships, the only, the only thing that looks different from that in the world is that 
you're not living with or sleeping with the person you're dating. I would go so far as say Christian dating is probably not your problem. It's that your, your view of scripture, your view mm-hmm. of the Lord. And yeah, like you said, is Christ really ruling and reigning in your life? Because if that's the only dividing line and how your relationships look different from the world, I would say that's probably not the case. And we all, this isn't a, I don't know. I hate sometimes saying these like definitive statements and like it applies just as much to you or me. Like, it's not like we deal with these things, you know, that it ebbs and flows in all of us and it always will as long as we live in a fallen world because we will always be warring with having Christ be the Lord of our lives. No matter how much we want that and truly like desire that our flesh will always be at war with that. Mm -hmm. And we will have varying degrees of success in romantic relationships in just relating to other people throughout our entire lives. It will always be something that is, there's a tension there or a war going on there that will always be at odds. So let me, let me answer the first part of our question. Why is Christian dating so complicated by summarizing in a very (laughs) succinct statement of what we've just kind of described in a pseudo rabbit trail? (laughs) Yeah. Dating idolatry. Yeah. Idolatrous dating, whatever, however you want Mm -hmm. to word it. We make dating an idol. Yes. So you got a 20-something-year-old, very, very young 20-something-year-old. Dating is not as big a deal. Sure. Right? So, okay, I can start dating. I want to I be looking, find the right person. As you get older, dating becomes a little more serious because you're really starting to look towards marriage. And uh-huh. I'm tired of all of this nonsense. Let's just <laughs> move forward with this. But it can become an idol of, I have to have this. And I have to have what I want and how I want it. But we never make the statement of, what does the Lord command me to be in this? Mm -hmm. And I think you did a great job mentioning the one anothering. The Bible is very clear about how we relate to one another as Christians, as brothers and sisters in Christ. The Bible is very clear of how we are to think about one another, how we are to interact with one another, and that we are to be purpose-driven in our dating relationships. So there's, there's a lot of unfolding pieces to this but i think the greater disease that these symptoms are pointing out is idolatrous dating yeah that we make dating an idol in the lord of our life rather than jesus is the lord and from him flows everything else that i do yeah well yeah and then it makes sense it it gets real complicated real quick when that is your ultimate desire because you will compromise on so many other things Mm -hmm. To get that thing, you'll compromise on your standards for what you look for in someone. You'll compromise on your boundaries. All these different things because if you don't, this person won't be there anymore. And having that person there is more important than anything else as opposed to saying, okay, no, this is what the Lord commands and this is what he says relationships should look like. And if yours doesn't look like that, instead of changing it or ending it, you're going to change what you believe about what the Lord says. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that's huge. Are we going to talk about... I haven't really looked at the full breakdown. <laughs> Are we going to talk about uh, missionary dating? Or can oh, I get on the soapbox for a second? T- yeah, go for it. It's not in the list, so I would say go okay. for it now. Because what we're on I mean, we're on the idol of Christian dating, yeah. and so I want to get off on a soapbox for a second. I love missions. Mm-hmm. You know this about me. I'm preparing to preach a sermon on missions. I've got a book on my desk right now on conversion. You have 12 books I have, on your desk well, right no, now. No, that, that one's the one on conversion. Oh, okay. <laughs> I have missionary biographies, missions books all around me. Literally have a Spurgeon sermon 
open right beside me on mission. So I absolutely love missions. You know what I hate more than anything? What? Missionary dating. Oh, do tell. Do you know what missionary dating is? I do. You but know the concept. Tell, tell the good people Missionary in case they dating don't. <laughs> is this idea of whether you're a guy or a girl, the other person you're interested in is not a believer. So the catchy tagline we had in college was flirt to convert. Yes. That you flirt with them in hopes that they will see Christ in you, want to know the Lord, and then you can marry your perfect ten. Right? He looks so good, or she looks so good, or they're so much fun to be around, but yeah, they're not really following the Lord, but I can change them. Well, and they're really nice. Like, they'll come to church with me. Yeah. yeah. You can't change this person because no. it's a, a working of the Lord to change a heart. If they're not a believer... As I have said multiple times, get to stepping. Yeah. Walk away. Yes. Okay, so here's a question, because we've had this come up. Are you done with your soapbox? I don't want to like... That's a minor soapbox. Okay. This may get you on another one. So we've had questions multiple times over the years about, okay, kind of in that situation of he's really great. We get along. He's asked me out, like from the girl's perspective, and she's like, but he's, I, I don't think he's a believer. And so she's not going to go out with him, but let's say he wants to go to church with her. He wants, like, that's a good thing. But I feel like that's a sticky situation of you both like each other. He's not a believer, but now he's going to start coming to your church. How, how, what would you counsel someone in saying, okay, one, how do you tell he's not doing that just for you? Two, should he maybe go to a different church? Three... I don't have a three. I just... Four, five... <laughs> I just wanted to show off my counting skills, so... Better than mine. Watch out. Uh, I would still say no. <laughs> to just to a, which? In, in the, you should go out with this person. No, oh, you no, should no, not. Oh, no, no, no. Should not, but well, then... Well, hold on. Let me, okay. let me get to my, my point. I like to no, you. Yeah, she does all the time. <laughs> it's great. No, you should not go out with this person. And if, let's say it's a guy that's saying, well, I really like you, so I'm going to start coming to your church. He wouldn't necessarily word it that way, but that's how his brain is operating right now. Because if he's not been going to church and all of a sudden he's found you and he's wanting to go to church just out of the blue, it should be pretty clear and pretty obvious he's going for you. Yes. So that's why you say no. Now, it's okay if he wants to go to that church, but you need to be open, transparent, and honest in saying there's nothing here right now because... I don't see fruits in your life to indicate that you are a Christian. You're just now coming to church. I wouldn't leave the door open. Okay. Now, personally, if you want to leave the door open, that's a personal you thing. Yeah. But you don't need to communicate. But if you do this, this, and this. Yeah, you're giving them a roadmap. You're to giving them a roadmap check to check off these spiritual boxes so that they can then date you. What happens 15 years down the road? Yeah. You've when- dated, you're married. And he loses his job. It's the first real yeah. tough whatever that, that that heat's applied to the situation and true heart, you know, states are going to come out. I call it, uh, there, well, there is this old game on the iPod. And we're going back. iPod. Wow. It was called Pocket. I still have my original yeah. iPod. It was called Pocket God. So basically, Pocket God. Pocket God. So you could go one. in there. There was this little island and you controlled everything. You were in charge. <laughs> you, were, you were the God. Oh, man. When you have someone that says, well, I'll... I'll start dating you so they know the Lord, or I'll start going to church so I can date you. They're treating God as if they can pull him out of their pocket. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll use you yep. when I need you and when it's advantageous to me. 
But when things turn a different direction, I'm done with you. Yeah. That's not how our God works. No. And a lot of times we, we treat him that way in our dating. Like, I'll, I'll pull him out when I need him. I'll, I'll be a, a Christian when I need him in my dating, but he needs to stay away from the things that I find fun. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. It, it it's goes true. straight back to the idol of dating. Mm-hmm. I'm going to call it an idol because that's what it is. We idolize having this significant other. Some are called to singleness. Some are not. How do we, and we can talk about discerning the gift of singleness in a completely different episode. We're not going down that <laughs> rabbit trail. But whatever God has called you to, it's a good thing. We might not see it mm-hmm. as good in the moment, but it is a good thing because God is not going to sit there and just zap you and say, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> yeah. He's not a big bad meanie. Our, no. Our God is loving and compassionate and caring. He's also holy. And his holiness should be frightening to us when we are not walking in step with him and dating. Yeah. Are you desiring to glorify God in your dating? I think is the biggest question. So the first part of the question, why is Christian dating so complicated, is because we've made it an idol. Yes, And you I see agree. all of these problems flowing out of it that we just talked about, that you're trying to missionary date someone, you're trying to flirt to convert, but there's also sin patterns that pop up in the dating relationship. So... The biggest part of that, I think, is the idol of dating. But there's also the issues within the church of how we approach dating. And we, we do overcomplicate the situation. So I think the second part of this question is, what are those overcomplications? Yes. What does it look like to have complicated Christian dating? I think the first one that doesn't really need much explanation is that the dating pool is much smaller. It's a little complicated because there aren't that many people to pick from. And you have the, when it comes to the pool of this within your church, depending on your church and depending on the people there, you kind of get one shot Mm -hmm. a lot of times because once you've dated one person, well, no, no one else is going to want to because all your dirty laundry's out there. Either that, either they know everything that went on, which y'all know how I feel about venting to your girlfriends about every little thing, but we won't, don't have to revisit that right now. But Either they know every little thing that happened in your relationship, and while maybe it wasn't a good fit for you, maybe that person would be a good fit for someone else there, and you've kind of just ruined that. Or, like, let's say you date a guy or a girl, depending on whether you're a guy or a girl, at your church, and then all of the other girls or guys out of loyalty to the person you dated aren't going to date their friend's ex. Hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I wouldn't... I can't think of any of my friends' exes that I would ever date, period. So if you're all in the same church and you're all friends, you kind of got one shot and that's it. <laughs> you people that go to larger churches, you're in a much better situation than yes. us small church people. <laughs> that is one one tick in the pro line for um, for really big churches. Yeah, I, I definitely would say smaller dating pool. If you're in a small church, it's ever shrinking. Yes. Um, so I think that is a part of it. But there's also the, it's a small dating pool because there's not a lot of really solid Christians that are necessarily single and out there going for it. That's true too. I think you have to, yeah, you, if you are in a smaller church wanting to date people, I don't mean you have to announce it, but people need to know that you're open to that. Mm-hmm. If you don't ever seem like you want to, or all, or especially girls, I think you have to be really careful here. It's because we can sometimes it's a defense mechanism to no one's asking me out, or I don't, I'm not se- seeing anyone. Is we can quickly turn that around on guys and point out all the problems with guys, and mm-hmm. well, guys are this and guys are that, and so I'm not dating anyone. 
like that's not going to really go over well to make them want to pursue you. No. <laughs> it's just, right? Like, yeah. it's just not. And I think guys can pick up on that, right? Like, you know. Yeah, I mean, we pick up on a lot of things. Yeah. We pick up on a lot more than most women realize. We're, we're observant human beings uh, sometimes. <laughs> like, there's always the running joke of you can, this is for married people, but the wife leaves something somewhere. Very clearly, that's where it's supposed to go, and the husband can't find it because it's where it's supposed to go. So yeah. we're not observant in that area, but we pick up on body language and the way that you're interacting, the way that you're talking, and sometimes it's one-way conversations because you don't, on the lady's part of it, you don't want to look too eager. You don't want to be sending them the wrong signals, yeah. so you almost withdraw thinking, okay, that'll be better, but then the guy's looking at it going, well, she's not really talking to me. Yeah. Can I say something to the ladies real quick here, too? Go for it. Um, And this ties in closely to us complicating things for ourselves. One of the things I think we do is let's, for the sake of round numbers, let's say there's 10 guys at your church who are around your age, single. They would be considered your dating pool at church. And guy number two is the one that you really have your eye on, let's say. And so then he's the one that you kind of flirt with. You hope he notices you. You hope he asks you out. Well, then guy seven, who's a fantastic guy, like you get along great. You hang out with him. You're great friends, whatever. He approaches you and says, hey, I'm interested. Can I take you to dinner? But you're sitting there hoping that guy two will notice you and that he'll ask you out. But if you go out with guy seven, it's going to totally mess it up and you'll never get this guy. Meanwhile, guy two is not interested in you or he would ask you out. So I think girls complicate things in like holding out hope for this perfect guy that they have built up in their heads to be awesome when a wonderful guy's asking you out, but you turn him down or you come up with reasons why it wouldn't work because you hope this guy who's not interested in you at all might notice you. What I find so funny about that yeah, is that you're talking about someone you really don't know all that well. Number seven, who asked you out? All of them. Oh, okay, yeah, fair enough. Like from a girl's yes. perspective of your dreamy number two mm-hmm. is not asking you out. Well, he's perfect because he looks good and he does and all this at church. Everything else you've built up in your and, head. Yeah, everything yeah. you've imagined about him is true. When you, you really don't actually know the guy and you don't know his heart and you don't yeah. know where he's at. And guy number seven actually might be even more solid and probably is yep. because he's going for he's, it. He's, yeah. So... I, I do get a little frustrated with that. Like, my mom and dad, hilarious story. When So my dad asked my mom out. She said yeah. no. Okay, and were they in, like, high school, college, like, uh, after? He, I think he was college. Okay. But he was just barely in college. Okay. Because I think there's a five-year difference between my parents. Oh, okay. Um, But my, my dad had asked her out, and mom said no because <laughs> it was him and a buddy of his. Yeah. She didn't know which one was which in terms of she heard one was <laughs> wild, crazy. So she went out with the other one and realized, oh, oh I made a mistake. You. It's you. And now they've been married for a bajillion years. That's hilarious. And they actually just left on a little retreat trip for themselves. So Aww. I know. It's so sweet. Where do they go? I think Asheville or something. That's so they fun. love going there. I love that. But we build up these images of people in our heads. And think, well, this is my perfect person because this, this, and this. Until you get to know a person, yeah, you don't really know, which is why you, part of it is also we overcomplicate dating <laughs> because we make the beginning of it much bigger than it really is. Yes. Yes. And that was that's one of my, I'll talk more about it probably at the end of like, 
I think a huge motivator, a lot of this is a huge motivator of a lot of this complication is that we front load so much pressure and so much perceived commitment or a need for commitment to the very beginning of this that every phone call, every glance, every conversation carries way more weight than it should. We're placing so much pressure on it because we have to make lifelong monumental decisions, we feel like, off of these little things. Um, But yeah, I feel like that's a big one. It goes into purpose-driven dating. Yes. So date with a purpose. Obviously, that's one of the big arguments that we argue for on this show is Date with a purpose. Obviously, yeah. you're dating for the intent of marriage, but you're not getting married in the first few dates. No. And you're not even making that decision. You're you're looking at this person. Why you're dating them is to, hey, I want to get to know you more mm-hmm. and then see if marriage is a thing. Do Are we compatible in these areas? Are we gifted and strong in specific areas? Do we work well together? Yeah. How does this thing go? But you're not proposing on date number four. <laughs> so... We put a lot of pressure on. Yeah. Well, you got to get married, so first date. Figure it out. Should I? Should I marry him? Yeah. Does he? Does Would he, he have be a good, a good s- spiritual leader? Is he a good spiritual leader? A coffee date. Is he a good provider? <laughs> well, on the flip side of that, though, the guys are going. Well, is she submissive? Yeah. Would she raise kids well? I'm like. I need your four-point um, parenting plan brought to, on the first date along with your last three years tax y'all, returns, please. Y'all just <laughs> had a latte, and you're trying to figure out if you're perfect, compatible spouses. That doesn't make any sense to me. It's laughable to to sit here and say it, but how many of us have done it? I mean, I've done it. Oh, yeah. We all have. And I think that... But I think it's unique, very unique to Christian dating, that pressure, yeah. because it's almost immediate sometimes. And even if you tell yourself, I mean, this may be a thing more for girls than it is for guys, but even if you tell yourself, oh, no, no, I'm not doing that, it's in the back of your mind. Every little thing has like marriage implications. Oh, my cousin loves to make fun of Christian <laughs> dating. Um, so anytime a girl looks his way, yeah. if they make eye contact, he'll immediately look at me and go, we're getting married in August. <laughs> absolutely hilarious but it's true like it is true because we put so much marriage pressure on it yeah guy looks your way you're like we're getting married it's done i have six kids yeah and we're gonna have a farmhouse with a wraparound park porch Mm -hmm. don't expect that from me no well i think that goes into like the next one on the list here there are and i think this is unique to dating as a christian especially in church is there are way more interested parties in this relationship or this budding relationship than there are in a non-Christian setting. If you are not a Christian, you're not dating in church, you meet a guy, you go out a few times, you start dating. It's been two or three months and you're like, Hey, you want to meet my parents this weekend? Mm -hmm. Like it's no one even hardly know your friends know about him. It's, but it's not the same as if you start dating someone as a Christian, especially if it's two people who go to the same church, suddenly people are coming out of the woodworks. How's it going? What are y'all doing? You know, they have all sorts of questions and they keep tabs on it and all with this push towards, oh, y'all make the cutest couple. Oh, get married. Blah, all these things real quick. So it's not even just pressure from ourselves. There's pressure from the outside. It The most well-intentioned pressure. I, it, no one has ill intent, but it's not helpful. Yeah, no, it, it definitely isn't. <laughs> and I, I'm just sitting here imagining the especially smaller churches, the way that mm-hmm. all of this works. 
guy's interested in girl, guy tells his accountability partner. Guy tells his small group. Yeah. She was like, oh, he's, he's been talking to me a lot recently to her girl best friends in the church and mm-hmm. then to her small group. And then her small group leader gets involved and is going and talking to Guy. And Guy's going, okay, what what has happened here? How did here? you know? How did you find this out? Yeah. And then through the grapevine, everyone all of a sudden knows that you might be interested in one another, but you've got some of the older couples in the church <laughs> already ready to mentor you. Like, I haven't even asked her out yet. Yeah. Yeah. It the heard it through the grapevine. That is a small church thing. It <laughs> happens so fast. I was gonna say, it's like you blink and suddenly everyone knows. And everyone knows it under the guise of oh, don't say this to anyone else. Don't tell anyone else. Oh you, it's, you didn't hear it from me. Whatever, and suddenly seventy five people know. Oh, especially when one of your closest friends is married. Yes. Now <laughs> I've got some people in my life that they're they're homies. I, yeah. I know that if I tell them something, it's locked up. So my best friend and his wife, I could tell them both something. Yeah. I'm not even worried about them telling other people because they've got my back. But then mm-hmm. there's also some couples that just, they, they want to, meddling feels like such a harsh word. It's a thing. It's they not... want to be involved. Yes. And it feels softer. They want to be involved and they... I, I really truly think that for so many married couples, they're so happy being married and they want that for you. And so they're like, oh, if I could just help, let me just get them over the, I, I don't know what that noise is. They're well-intentioned. They Let's are. Let's put it that way. They're very, very much so. It's just not always helpful. Yeah. I mean, it can, it can make things very difficult Yeah, uh, and very complicated as, as we've said multiple times. I, I will tell you the pet peeve for me because I'm in ministry. Yeah. I'm the young guy in ministry. Yep. I'm the single young the guy only in ministry. One here. Yeah. Yeah. You're in a unique position. Uh, there is a lot of comments about why are you single? Uh-huh. I've had several of them recently. Why are you why are you single? You're a good-looking young guy that loves the Lord and serves the church. You shouldn't be single. I'm like, well, if I knew the answer to that question, I wouldn't be single. That's one of the most pointless questions. And I know people meet it, like, in a kind way of, like, you're great. Why are you single? But, like, it also put, it also, talking about pressure, it adds a little pressure from the standpoint of, because they say, you're a good-looking, you know, godly, easy-to-get-along-with person. It basically says then those are the only like three things that should matter on a marriage decision. And I, I get when people say, okay, look, young people need to get married because people are delaying adulthood. They're delaying marriage. I get that. But what nine times out of 10, the pastor will say, or whoever's talking about it, young people need to get married. You know, you just need to find another person who loves the Lord and get married as if, that is it. Yeah. And I, I, I understand the sentiment behind it, but I think that's a kind of, I don't know, especially if you're not talking to mature believers, that's an almost dangerous thing to tell someone because that covers a broad umbrella of things. Someone who loves the Lord and you do too, get married. Yeah. The college I went to, they had in the end of the fall semester, they had what yeah. they called man to man. Okay. And at the same time, woman to woman was happening. Oh. And basically, the message that was being put across is 
for the men's side, be a man, pursue a woman, go find a wife. Yeah. On the women's side is be content. Your husband's going to come and find you, basically. They wouldn't word it that way, but that's essentially what they would say. Yeah. Be be a good homemaker, those type deals. And then between then and the spring banquet that happened at the end of the spring semester, do you know what that was called? I do, but I'm going to let you tell everyone. Open season. <laughs> Which is awful. Awful. Absolutely I mean, that's awful. that's terrible. But they called it open season because guys were literally just hunting down people. Ugh. Where it got really weird because I'm talking about undergrad. Okay. The, the older Ugh. seminary guys are now jumping in on the mix. I'm like, y'all need to get out of here. This is creepy. <laughs> yeah. So it, it it was just weird. But yeah. that's a lot of the, the church's yeah. approach to dating. Just go find someone. Yeah. Well, and I think it adds to that complication that's unique to Christian dating in that you start to think that, okay, well, if I'm looking for someone, like you said, who we work well together or we enjoy similar activities or we have a similar sense of humor and we laugh at the same thing. Like you, you start to think that if you're looking for those things or you end something with someone because of one of those things, then it's real easy to get labeled. Well, they're just too picky. When in reality, I think those are really important things. I think that's a very valid reason to not continue with someone. Yes. Is the threshold for something not being sinful that you both are Christians? Yes. But does that mean that's, that's where it stops. And that means that's just the wisest decision for you. No, but it plays mind games with you of like, okay, am I being too picky because I want someone that I enjoy spending time with or is this reasonable? It's, it's tough sometimes. I think sometimes though, the opposite happens. Oh really? As you, as you get older and the further along you get in, Dating circles, yeah. it goes from I have all of these high standards and it has to meet that. Mm-hmm. And then I have relatively high standards mm. and they should probably meet that. And then I have standards and then it quickly turns into does he have a Bible and does he have a pulse? <laughs> yeah. Which is just wrong on yes. so many levels. Now, we talked about this a few weeks ago of you're not looking for your knight in shining armor or your supermodel or whatever it is. You're not looking for this perfect 10 that is everything that you could have ever dreamed and imagined because I'm sorry they're never showing up. (laughs) So have standards based upon what Scripture Uh says, and that really complements you well because if you're looking for marriage, it is a complementing role of when God created Adam and then he created Eve. He said, here is a helper suitable for you, Mm -hmm. a match, something that complements you well. So you are looking for that complement, don't have ridiculously high standards where no one can meet them and you're going to be alone in a cat lady or a dog man or whatever you want to call it. (laughs) But at the same time, don't compromise on those standards because you're tired of dating and you just want somebody with a pulse and an ESV study Bible. Yeah. This is a really, a really great space to um, plug the title of the show and look for the middle. You, you need a balance. You need an in-between of those two things. Yeah. Um, okay, so then the last one here on our list of things that cause complication in Christian dating circles is, I just labeled it delayed dating experience, which I know especially for girls, I don't know if it's this way for guys, you can chime in. That's a really sensitive thing if you are however old, you've never been on a date or you've never been asked out. So I'm not saying, hear me, I'm not saying this is a negative thing on you. I'm just saying it can add complication to it. And I think it's more prevalent in Christian circles because we 
delay we we because we are dating with a purpose we don't start dating really young which is fine and good but then you get to a place and you know i i always talk about you know you go from a place in the youth group and in high school and even in college somewhat of stay away from boys boys are bad you know hard line no no dating then you graduate from college and suddenly everyone's like okay when are you getting married like get on it and said no one you went from boys are the worst stay away to find one and get married and no one ever talks about how to get from point a to point b mm-hmm. and so you just say okay forget it i'm just not going to do this and it makes it real complicated let's go back to the original statement you made okay. of we're christianizing a worldly system yeah because what you just said is a problem that i'm finding in the church of don't get married don't get married don't get married graduate college get married yeah where in the world does it say you can only get married when the guy has, uh, he's started his retirement fund, how's his 401k look, yep. he's got a stable job, and you want him to provide, that's a big point of it, I get that part, but he's been in a stable job for five years, full experience, he's got a nice house, a nice car, he's in the church, he's leading small Completely groups. Completely debt-free, Yeah. You don't have to have all these worldly standards because the world says, go and do your thing. And then once you've met these specific criteria, once the American dream is starting to be realized for you, then you can go get married. Now, I'm not sitting here arguing 16-year-olds should get married. That's unwise. (laughs) Yeah, but I mean, okay, let's take it. And you can tell me if I'm off base here or I'm stretching the application. But marriage on earth here is a picture of Christ in the church. It Mm -hmm. is a picture of that ultimate marriage relationship. And there's nothing about that where Jesus says, you have to get yourself together before you can be part of the church, before you can be my bride, before Mm -hmm. you're part of the church. Like that's not the, um, the precedent, I guess you could say, it's not the pattern that's set of how you approach that relationship. Now you, are submitting to scripture as part of the church. And that should be the same in a dating earthly relationship. But to say, okay, these two people have to have all of their lives together. Basically what you're saying is you have to get all your selfishness out first, do whatever you want, do the things you want to do, get all of that out. And then you can be in a serious relationship. I don't think that's the model presented of Christ in the church anywhere. Mm-mm. So like, like you said, yeah, I would say it's not I have to a biblical thing. Sometimes when people show me on dating apps of, must love Jesus. <laughs> okay. Good. You're right. Must. Very good. Proud of you. What in the world does that what mean? What does that mean? I yeah. think when you're starting to look to dating, you're looking, does this person truly love Jesus as their Lord and Savior? And I mentioned this earlier, Lord and yeah. Savior. It's not one or the other. It's both. Is, is Jesus truly the Lord of this person's life? Yeah. The same question is true when you're looking at marriage as well of, is Jesus the Lord of this person's life? Mm -hmm. Do they follow him and pursue him above all else, above you? Yes. Are they pursuing the Lord greater than they're pursuing you? And that's the model that you want to be looking at right there. So I think that's a big part of it. We we have made this messy in the church Mm -hmm. of do this, don't do this, and let me just be honest. We become legalistic. Yes. You have to have all these specific criteria met in terms of finances, in terms of living abilities, and all of this nonsense. Well, it's it's extra biblical rules. Yeah. I mean, they're they're not bad things, but they are not scriptural requirements. Mm-hmm. So 
Yeah, so, nonsense. <laughs> don't be legalistic surrounding dating. On the other side of that coin, don't be foolish yeah. surrounding dating. There is a middle <laughs> to all this. I mean, there, there really is. All, all jokes aside, there is an appropriate middle to this of being extremely wise in how you approach things, but not holding on to it like the Pharisees would and saying, well, I check all of these boxes when it's not truly a posture of your heart. Yeah. One thing I would just add to those of you guys who don't have a ton of dating experience and you feel like you're behind or you're not ever going to figure it out or whatever, kind of along the lines of don't be legalistic about it. Don't tell yourself ahead of time that you're going to be bad at it or that you don't know what you're doing or that it's going to be awful. Go into it fully armed with scripture, knowing what the Lord says about how to navigate relationships, how to relate to people. And I think you'll be okay because I think we look at dating and then we look at every other interaction we have with people completely separately. Mm -hmm. And they're not as different as we make them out to be. So just because you've never dated a ton, you've interacted with people. Sure, you're going to be nervous and you want to impress the guy and whatever, but don't add a ton of extra rules and pressure and stuff that doesn't have to be there. That just, you're just heaping complication upon your head at that point. Yeah. And you're going to overwhelm yourself with those things too. Mm. I mean, you're putting an undue burden on yourself of when you start to add in, well, I have to do this, 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 and this, you're stressing yourself out. And frankly, you're going to become anxious about it when Jesus is pretty clear in saying, do not be anxious. Yeah. But he also, in that passage of don't be anxious, describes the fact of you shouldn't be anxious because God provides abundantly for his children. God does not withhold good gifts. It might not be exactly what you have created in your mind. Yeah. Rarely is it ever those things because we have sinful thoughts and we overthink about certain topics. We make an idol of certain things that we want to have in a significant other. But God is going to provide in the way that he sees fit, the way that's going to glorify him the most, and it's going to be the best for you. Mm -hmm. It's the best good for you. Yes. It's not one amongst a lot of good things. Mm -hmm. It's the best good for you right now whether it's what you thought you wanted or not. So I, there's, there's a lot more that goes into why, why is Christian dating so complicated. The biggest part we've pointed out really is the idol behind it. If we make mm -hmm. an idol of dating, but I think we complicate it because we're stuffing it so full of so many different concepts. We're trying to make biblical concepts fit with worldly concepts. They don't match up. Yeah. They're not compatible. So one of them has to go. And unfortunately, a lot of times it's the biblical concept that gets removed and we go with the worldly pattern. That cannot be the case if we are desiring to truly honor the Lord. John Piper, when he yeah. was growing up, I probably already said this, had a sign in his house and his parents always asked him when he was considering something, does it glorify the Lord? If no, it's not worth doing. Yeah. Does your dating relationship glorify the Lord? Does the way that you think about this significant other glorify the Lord? Does the way that you interact with this other person glorify the Lord? If no, it's not worth doing. Walk yeah. away. Because you are going to save yourself a lifetime of heartache if you walk away from a relationship that is not glorifying to the Lord. So stop 
<laughs> idolizing these things. <laughs> yeah. Stop overcomplicating it. And instead of feeling crushed under the pressure, which honestly it can be crushing if we allow all of these different things to sit on top of us. Yeah. Place it at the foot of the cross. Say, Lord, I am trusting you with this. It's yours. I'm going to follow you where you lead me. Mm-hmm. And just be okay with what God does in your life. Yeah. And be okay maybe being the only one taking that approach. Mm-hmm. Knowing that obedience to the Lord always returns more than fitting in with the crowd. Yeah. It may just not be right here right now. Yeah. But, Yeah. I think that's a good good spot to end it. Are you good with that? I'm good with it. Okay, guys. Thank you so much for joining us. This has been another fun episode. We will be back next week with an episode on. I'm looking here right now. Ooh, we're going to talk about the circle back next week. You dated someone. You ended it. They ended it for whatever reason. When and if should you ever circle back to oh, that? I was wondering what that Who meant. should do it? Who shouldn't? How to kind of jump back into something that once was. So. That ought to be interesting. That'll be a fun conversation next week, especially considering we're about to record it here in a little bit. And you have obviously not looked at it at all. No, I haven't. So come back next week for all of the fun that will ensue from that. But until then, I'm Bethany. And I am Dalton. And this is Looking for the Middle.